Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Yeah, hello. Uh, I'm Jake. I support Newcastle. I write for EPL Index at Total Dutch Football, and you get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's. Hi there, my name is Kit Dasawelen, a uh, Swansea City fan and contributor to the Jackcast. Uh, if you want to hear our latest episode, then you can find it at the Jackcast on Twitter. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Jake, no really big news coming out of Newcastle, just the former Real Madrid manager taking over. Yeah, the one out of left field, I think, for everybody. Um, it got to the point where McLaren, his job was sort of untenable. He was getting uh, chanted up by the Newcastle fans. You get sacked in the morning during the Bournemouth game. And I think the club, although they wanted to stick with him, just thought, oh, it's time to time to make that call if you really want to survive in the Premier League. We would definitely would have got relegated under McLaren. There's no doubt about that. The players weren't playing for him. The tactics were poor. We didn't look like we were going to do anything away from home, which in, in our position now we have to do get as many points as possible, whether they're at home or away. So yeah, it's definitely a good decision. The way it was done was a bit poor. You sort of coming into coming into training every day, getting filmed every, even though all the media and you know so forth knew he was going to get sacked. So that was that was disappointed, but it had to be done. Um, I think originally Moyes was going to be the one that uh, took over, but the moment Benitez, uh, his entourage, have got in contact with the club, it was only going to be one winner because Benitez is a world class manager, and yeah, he, he got the job. So that's really good for everybody. Uh, especially the fans. I think it's exciting times at Newcastle Head, but it's sort sort of like um, when a TV program you like gets like a pilot episode. It's sort, it's sort of like this is the pilot, these 10 games. If it goes well, we're going to have a really good three years under Rafa. I can imagine we'll be nowhere near the bottom. We'll probably be a steady top-half club challenging in the Cups, which would be really not uh, really good to to follow because I think we've we've had a number of poor years and it's sort of got to the point where we're we're just sort of making up the numbers in the Premier League and we're not sort of adding anything so yeah I think that's really good we've got a, an ambitious manager and he's uh, also got the ma- uh, title of manager which McLaren did not have and he's likely to have a big say over transfers and um, you know other other things going on at the club such as the training and the the youth development and things which so you can only think that if if we do stay up and we do have three years under somebody uh, a world class manager like Rafa you'd expect that we would uh, probably develop into a really good top half side we'd have everything sorted out and there'd be a platform for another manager to come in and take that on so it's only good things can happen but again like I say if if we get relegated he's likely to go and then we're left at square one probably with a with a with a depleted squad a lot of players leaving and it'll just be one of the things that you think oh what could have been if we would have kept Rafa for if we would have stayed up and had those three years under Rafa whether and instead of going down but just have to see on that front I think I'm pretty confident um against Leicester it was better more organized uh we didn't look like we were going to concede too like we didn't look like we we're going to concede every time Leicester came forward I think Mares and Vardy were kept quiet and it was sort of just one bit of poor marking at the set piece and a, an incredible bit of skill from Okazaki sort of got them the win. But we had a lot of chances ourselves. And I think we need to be a bit more clinical in the final third. And if we sort that out, I think we'll, we'll be okay. But yeah, it's exciting ties. But I don't want to get too excited about it just in case the, you know, the worst does happen because that would, that would be disappointing. Yeah, and that is obviously the big question for everyone is, is there enough time for Rafa Benitez to ensure your guys' Premier League survival? What do you think the odds are at the moment? 
Yeah, I'd I'd hope to think we would uh, stay up. I mean, we got nine uh, nine games to play. I think Norwich are gone. They've got one less game than both Newcastle and Sutherland, so I think they're going to go. Um, then you look above that. You've got Swansea and Palace both on thirty three points. I don't think that's safe yet, but you know they're well on their way to being safe. Um, so yeah, it's, it's I think it's a straight shootout between Newcastle and Sutherland. Really, um, this weekend is massive, and it's just annoying that it comes as Rafa's second game in charge that so he you know he 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 does have to win because I think we we uh, Newcastle we have to win we have to get those three points if we don't then I think four points between us and Sunderland we're probably going to go um whereas Sunderland would probably take could probably lose this game would probably still stay up that's, that's sort of the odds so I think it's much more important for Newcastle but yeah look at our fixtures we got Sunderland Norwich Swansea Palace uh Villa all to play um yeah, and you'd, you'd hope that we'd we'd be able to get enough points out of that, and especially with the new manager as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm going to say that I'm hopeful of staying up, but I'm not expecting it. I'm expecting it to go, you know, to to the last day potentially when Andros Townsend stops Spurs win the league. Hopefully that that's going to happen. Oh right, I forgot <laughs> we already agreed on that. How frustrating that would be for me. Uh, all right, well, hopefully we do uh, have you staying up as well. Also, a slight concern for Swansea, Gitto. Uh, tough loss to Bournemouth, but there's no arguing that Swansea have been playing better of late. Yeah, uh, strangely enough, it's coincided with uh, Francesco Guidolin's um, illness. Um, he spent the well much of the last few weeks in hospital with a lung infection, which... Um, I mean, I don't know if anybody saw him on the touchline against Spurs a few weeks back, but he definitely shouldn't have been there. He was desperately ill that day. Um, but if I'm honest, it may sound heartless, but under Alan Curtis, we have been playing a bit more positively. Uh, still not brilliantly, uh, not by any means. But we've got two big wins against Arsenal and Norwich. The Arsenal one was one of the strangest matches you'll see in the Premier League. It was just an Arsenal team that desperately didn't want to win. And then us just saying, well, our reserves it was as well, I should point out. Just saying, well, if you're not going to win, then we might as well do it. Uh, and then against Norwich, a dreadful first half um, with uh, quite a bit of improvement in the second half. We did enough to win it. And that is a massive three points, but one of the biggest three points of the season. And it did take a bit of the pressure off ahead of Bournemouth. Um, we did lose to Bournemouth. Uh, it was an exciting game, plenty of goals. We played more attacking football in one game that we than we've probably played in the last few months, um, and but there were these frustrating problems. Some of them new, some of them sadly very long-standing. Um, we've all three goals that we conceded were very very sloppy, um, defensive or goalkeeping mistakes, and the third one was a set piece, which was our seventeenth, uh, which we have conceded from this season. Uh, which I, I can't even explain how frustrating it is to see the same mistakes being repeated from set pieces week after week. And it's got to the point now where we are actually not doing anything right from set pieces. Everything we do is wrong um, from the fact that we concentrate far too much on wrestling players instead of actually looking at the ball. Fabianski isn't anywhere near as commanding as he was last season. Uh, we don't attack balls from crosses, which is bizarre. Um, so at any t- any player that has a running start before his jump has an instant advantage over us because we're always at a standing start. Um, we, we've we're somehow we we've always under Gary Monk and under Guidolin now we've put the wrong men uh, to mark the opposition's best headers of the ball. 
for some reason, Ashley Williams, one of our better headers of the ball, although certainly not faultless from set pieces this season. For some reason, though, he is taking up this ambiguous zonal role where he's just marking the front post area when really he should be marking another player. There are just so many things that come together to make us the easiest team to score against in the league from a set piece. Um, it's been such a problem this season. It's something that really needs working on over the summer, whoever uh, is in charge for next season. Um, but generally, we weren't too we weren't too bothered about that um, result down at uh, down at Bournemouth. Um, we've um, we've you know we we've, we are on thirty three points. We're I think eight points clear of the bottom three. Uh, we've got Aston Villa coming up this weekend, which we should win. Um, we 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 put ourselves in a in a good position where we don't have to do too much for the rest of the season to stay up. And I think a lot of Swansea fans now, whereas a few weeks ago we were really worrying, we, we, it was we were walking a bit of a tightrope really about what couldn't work out whether or not we would stay up. Um, after recent weeks, we are a bit more confident, not just because we've won games, but because the teams below us haven't been for for the first time this season. Norris, Sunderland and Newcastle, they've all just been losing and dropping points. So I think we're in a much, much happier place than we were uh, a few weeks ago. And generally, we're, we're pretty confident, I think, now of staying up. Uh, do you think there's any way to solve your issues from set pieces? Can potentially in the summer just bring in taller players? Or is there something schematically that, that a, a long from changing from a zonal scheme to more of a man scheme could help you maybe improve in that area because it probably couldn't get worse. No, it can't get worse. In these total transformation, our whole attitude towards set pieces is wrong. And because we've conceded 17 goals from set pieces this season, which is an absurd total, if I'm honest, um, because we've conceded so many, the confidence has just been, it's, it's just disappeared. Whenever the opposition get um, a, a corner or a free kick, uh, you can hear the entire stadium just groan. We just because you you have this horrible feeling that there is an inevitability about it that they'll score. Um, and teams we've seen quite a bit now. Norwich did it. They, they come to play against us. Um, they can just stick eleven men behind the ball and frustrate us, slow the ball down for us. And then all they need is one free kick in a decent position, and they've got a golden opportunity to score. Uh, it's it's a really dangerous position to be in. Uh, we need we need a complete overhaul. I mean, they they don't they they need to go back to basics. The the man marking has been awful this season. They've got the the, the this combination of zonal and, and man marking that we do have doesn't work. It's completely unbalanced. Nobody knows what's happening, and I think it has also led. Um, to a lack of responsibility, personal responsibility. Um, whenever a set piece is, is conceded, it's as if everybody just looks around and looks for somebody to blame. I, so we need a bit more responsibility in the team um, when it comes to set pieces. We need somebody there who's willing to sort it out. I don't think the coaches have been good in this respect. Even under Monk, we've not delegated responsibility well at all from set pieces. Um so it, it needs a complete overhaul. Uh, taller players, do you know what? it used to be an excuse for Swansea that we, we were poor at um, defending set pieces because we were shorter than everyone else. But we're not that much shorter than everyone else now. You know, our midfield isn't dominated by 
we've still got Leon Britton, but we don't have a Joe, Joe Allens and uh, Dyers and Routledges throughout the team. You know, we, we do have some normal-sized people. Um, and that's coming from someone who's five foot eight. So I'm not belittling, pardon the pun, short people at all. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm one of you. I am one of you. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it needs a complete overhaul. The one positive is that we are now looking a bit more threatening from our own set pieces. Um, now that Gilfie Sigerson has hit amazing form, he's, he's scored um, seven goals in 2016, which amazingly makes him the second top scorer in the Premier League uh, in in 2016 behind Sergio Aguero, uh, which is bizarre. He, he hasn't be, had a great season on the whole. And I'd still say, actually, his general play is quite some way short of his best. But when he is pitching in with these goals and assists as regularly as he is, we we can't complain at all. He's he's doing a great job, but single-handedly keeping us up, really. All right, uh, yeah, for Tottenham, uh, we are currently losing 1-0 to Dortmund. Uh, so it looks like that tie is done and dusted out of the Europa League. No massive surprise, uh, really, considering what happened out in Germany. <clears throat> but still disappointing nonetheless. Uh, focus clearly uh, in the Premier League now. Uh, the best comment I've seen thus far after seeing the team that we sent out uh, for Tottenham last week was, uh, I think I mentioned on the Sunday show as well, if you're going to put all eggs in one basket, it better be a dang tasty omelet. Um, which I really like the succinctness of. Uh, we really need to now go for the Premier League. We put out a fairly strong 11 today. Uh, which was surprising, considering we were already down 3-0. Then they get an early away goal. So now it's probably for the best if we just kind of take our best players off. But um, we'll see how we address that going forward. Uh, another surprise, Nabil Bentaleb not in the squad yet again. His place at the club, I think under heavy pressure, I, I really wouldn't be surprised if he's the first player that leaves um, over the summer. So... It'll be interesting to see how we handle that and, and a few of our other youth options, but uh, good to see that. Uh, on the other side of youth options, Josh Onuma was part of the England photo shoot for some reason for their new kits. Uh, always love seeing Josh Onuma get some credit. He's, he's done very well uh, as a youngster. Saw some people giving him some uh, crap for being poor against Dortmund, forgetting he's a 19-year-old uh, playing... Uh, at Borussia Dortmund, one of the top five teams in Europe. Uh, it felt a little foolish. But uh, all in all, not too upset about that either. Uh, now it just comes down to the Premier League. We have Bournemouth at the weekend. And as we saw against uh, Swansea last week, Bournemouth have done very well. In fact, since December 1st, Bournemouth have picked up the fourth most points in the Premier League, uh, guiding themselves up to what you would consider safety. Uh, so that'll be that'll be a tough test again. Uh, Kane, Dembele, and Eriksen all rested today. All will be fresh for the weekend, which is very good news for us. Uh, I don't think that a title race is really the situation. We'd need Leicester to lose twice and us to not lose ever uh, in order for us to catch them. And if for every loss we would have, they'd have to have another one. They're currently only on three losses for the season, so the odds that they double that, pretty low. So it's Tottenham have to win out or they don't win the title. Not a huge uh, believer in that. Still awesome news coming into the season, as always, I was saying. 
you know, take anywhere from fourth to sixth, probably. So the fact that we're where we are is very exciting, although it is a little teasing to be as high as we are, knowing that it's unlikely that we'll actually be able to make a title run. But very pleased with Pochettino. More and more uh, smoke around him signing a new contract. He keeps saying that the, his main goal is to focus on, you know, our current season, not to worry about what's going to happen in the off season. But it's one of those things where you've just heard it from so many places. It's probably more true than not. Uh, I don't know what else is happening. It looks like Jan Vertonghen is probably also on a new contract. Ozzy Ardiles let that slip in an interview, but I'm not really sure why he would know that. Like, I know we all love Ozzy. I'm just not sure why that's the source that we're using. Uh, and then Christian Eriksen also allegedly uh, ready to sign on the dotted line. So good to lock up those players going forward. And I'm sure they're all the more willing to do it now, assuming that we will be in the Champions League next season. Which, to tie it back around to Dortmund, uh, means that tonight's match is probably the last Europa League match at White Hart Lane ever. Assuming that by the time uh, the new stadium is built for the 2018 season... Uh, we will have just played a year in the Champions League and, and potentially a second, kind of depends on the build times. Um, the Wembley option now looks better. We're now hearing from more higher-ups that the potential for having Chelsea and Tottenham there is doable if both of us play our cup games elsewhere, which would reopen the MK Dons uh, negotiation that we originally had with the thought that we would play there instead of Wembley if we lost that bid. Uh, but... Obviously, the FA could make a lot of money having us and uh, Chelsea both use Wembley for our home games. So it'll be interesting to see if that does go through, but it's looking more likely. And I think that that's probably the best uh, of both worlds there. All right, and on to the topic, which is discussing this new Premier League 2 idea that's being floated around at the moment as a possible replacement for the under-21 league that's obviously come under a lot of scrutiny. You have teams like Chelsea, who always do very well in it, despite loading half of their players elsewhere. Um, so, do you think that this would be an improvement, having something like this? The, the way it's looking now is there would be uh, a significant prize for the team that wins it, so players would be or teams would be less likely to loan out some of their better young players. You could have five senior players go back down, which would help players like Daniel Sturridge come back from injury instead of being forced back in, which we've heard recently from some Liverpool fans. Uh, so do you think that that's a good idea, and do you think it's a good idea for youth players to stay at their club, even if it's in a lesser context, than it is for them to be sent out on loan? I'm not a massive fan of this idea, but I mean, I mean they only had the under 21 league sort of developed like four or five years ago didn't they and that that hasn't really worked yeah. so i i can't see this it, this doesn't appear to be much different to me I, I feel it's sort of a similar premise um as the under 21 league um it's i just think that at the moment you're never going to be able to perfect the the sort of under 21 reserve team system because there's so much i just feel there's a lack of talent to make that a, a thing like I'm, I, I can't see me getting excited about like uh, Newcastle twos taking on like um, Arsenal twos. It, like it's, that's not really a that's not really something that excites me at the moment. I, I think it'll just be full of young players who'd be better off probably on loan. I, I quite like the loan system. I think the way to fix the current uh, the, the system at the moment is probably to limit the amount of loan players that lower league teams can have. Um, that way you don't get so many players going out on loan. 
but you you know the best of the young players will be taken off by those championship league one clubs and they will be given you know um prominent positions in the team to to, to develop there because i think if you look at the, the likes of townsend he he developed he he benefited from the loan system. Uh, Adam Armstrong this season, le- uh, joint leading scorer in League One, he's massively benefited from the loan system. Uh, last season, he was barely getting a game for Newcastle. He wasn't ready. When he did play, you, saw, you, you could see in his play that he hadn't had enough experience at senior level to, to make an impact. But now um, he, he's probably going to come back twice the player he was, and he's going to be uh, much better for that experience. And I think first-team experience is what the young players need. So what I would do is I would keep the current under 21 system, but limit the amount of loans that you could you could send out, both of which you can send out and, and what the lower league teams could take in. So say if you can only loan out 10 players a season, or maybe even less than that, like five, six or seven players a season domestically, then you'll get the best English young players going out on loan. They'll be getting the experience. And if each lower league club can only take uh, two or three loans, unless uh, for an emergency where they need extra players, then you know you'd get all the best players getting game time, but you'd also have um, sort of the the tier below those players playing in the in the reserve leagues and getting and uh, getting experience there before they're the ones that get sent out on loan. So I, I think it's more to do with um, changing the loan system than it is changing the under twenty one league. But yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting topic. I think this is a better idea than the current under-21s league, which I don't think has, has worked at all. Uh, and I certainly think it's a better idea than that daft B-teams idea Ooh, and the creating yeah. a League 3, which which is an abomination and goes against everything that's great about about English football. Um, but I, I still, you know, there's still major flaws. I mean, when you're looking through it, um, it, it just looks like... Um, they're going back to the old reserves team um, structure, which was, you know, everybody seemed to agree it didn't really work. And then they're trying to hype it up and chuck Premier League money at it, chuck publicity and TV money at it to try and grow the interest. But, uh, you know, TV is very, very good at developing interests in, in terrible leagues. But um, but but this is a stretch too far. I mean, one of the points apparently is that um, uh, well, if, if according to speculation, that the teams would actually be playing in their stadium, so the United reserves would be playing all their games in Old Trafford, the Spurs reserves would be playing all their games in White Hart Lane, etc. That that's a pointless idea for me. Why why is that in any way necessary? Uh, these clubs don't sell out their reserve grounds. Uh, and in most Premier League clubs, I mean, if, if you were to have Swansea's reserves playing at the Liberty every single game, you, you'd have attendances of hundreds and, that, and nothing more than that. You know, it's I, 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 I just think it's another case where they're trying, they're, they're just brainstorming and trying to come up with as many crazy ideas as they can and hope that that is the one that solves the problem. We do have a bit of an issue in this country that reserve football isn't a good environment for young, uh, up-and-coming players to to really step up from youth football to seniors. It it doesn't get them. It doesn't give them that same experience. I still think for a young player in this country, the best experience they can get is still to go out on loan to a lower league club. Um, I, 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 that has its imperfections. There are players who go to the wrong clubs and it really does damage them in the end. 
Uh, there are players who just end up on month loans for a, a series for a number of years, and that doesn't do them any good. So it it, it has its imperfections, but I still think it is preferable to a, a talented youngster playing pretty non-competitive football um, against other reserve teams for, for months on end. I don't think it works. Um, it is an area where we are, uh, you know, we, we don't have the B-team structure that other countries have, but nor would we want that. Um, if, if, you know, if, that, if that's what it takes to improve reserve team football and, and to uh, improve youth production in this country... Uh, for the very top clubs, then I'm sorry, we can't do it. it. It's not a sacrifice that anybody should be willing to make because it would really, really harm the integrity of the lower leagues and very proud, well-supported clubs. Um, so I'm, I'm, at the end of the day, maybe we've just got to accept that there is no real way of improving reserve team football. It is going to be uh, a problem for a long time and there is no way that we can find this magic so, you know, this magic solution, which is going to make everything right. I, I do prefer this to the under-21s version, but again, things like the fact that you can have five senior players in the team. If we're going to have five senior players in the reserve teams, that only leaves six spots for, for, for up-and-coming talent. Well, that's not going to help blood these youngsters and really get, the, the, get them um, experienced then. Uh, enough to make that breakthrough at the top level. So, uh, as much as I think it's it's a more positive alternative than what we have at the moment, it's certainly no solution. And and if I'm honest, it's it's probably not even worth the hassle of going through with it. Hmm. I I uh, am more optimistic about it than uh, you guys are. I, I think. The point of having five senior slots isn't to play five senior players to launch yourself up the table. Although I do realize that this is kind of an internal conflict within its own proposal of trying to make it very important, playing in the big stadiums, having a big cash prize, making it very unimportant, allowing a spot for your older players to come and just kind of refine their footing in competitive matches. Um, So there is that kind of split that I think they kind of need to figure out what they're really going for here. But... uh, I, I understand your point, Jake, about the, the lone players that have worked out for Newcastle. Uh, Tottenham have had them kind of half and half. We have a very good youth staff, uh, and the Kyle Walker and Danny Rose both left for a year, came back much better players. Harry Kane went out on infinite loans and was awful at all of them. He stayed at the club for then two years in our youth setup and then finally figured out uh, how to play football would be a nice way to put it. It sounds very harsh, but if you talk to Norwich or Leicester fans, they'll tell you how awful Harry Kane was on loan there. Although at Leicester, they tried to play him on the wing, which uh, people that have seen him play now would realize is hilarious. Um, but I think there is something to kind of creating just an ethos top to bottom at the club. Like If you're in the U21 squad, you still get to train with the first team at Tottenham. You still have... Uh, Jorge Perez and Mauricio Pochettino kind of guiding you through. We're kind of splitting squads um, with Josh Onoma and Harry Winks both making appearances uh, with the U21 side as well as the Premier League side. Uh, One of the issues that that would cause, though, is if you'd had these Friday primetime matches in the stadiums, (laughs) that if you have a match on Saturday, then you're clearly not going to be able to incorporate as many youth players into your squad because they will have just played 90 minutes mere hours before. 
Um, and, and that is another thing that they would have to figure out. I agree, Gitto, that this would take a lot of work, and it may result in the end product not having been worth it. But I, I do think that anything is better than the current setup, and it would be better uh, if we had fewer players out on loan. And Jake, I do agree that it would be better if maybe there was a limit on the lower leagues, but then everybody would just look to foreign leagues to just loan more players there. Like everybody jokes about how Vitesse is already Chelsea's B team, although the number of players uh, from Chelsea on loan there has gone down drastically since the previous few years. But we would just look elsewhere. So that is a thing that the FA could control themselves, but I'm not really sure that would solve that problem. I just realized I'm kind of rambling and don't have a point. Yeah, I mean, the point that you made about um, about Harry Kane, that he was a player for whom the, lo- the loan system didn't work because he kept on going out on loan. I don't think it was very intelligent, the, the selection of clubs that he went to. And I remember seeing him on loan. Everywhere he went, I thought he was awful. I thought he was genuinely <laughs> terrible. I thought, this kid is never going to make it. Why are they still... But why are, why are lower league clubs still willing to take a risk on him just because he's a big name at Spurs? That is generally what I thought. And then he went back um, to Spurs and just got, you know, I think he was a late developer as well, it has to be mm. said. You know, it, he maybe wasn't prepared to go out at that early age. And it's credit to Spurs that they did actually keep him when he was doing so poorly and, and kept, you know, persistent to give him a chance. And finally, the you know the things worked out for him. Yeah, and uh, thanks to Soldado and Adebayor for being so shockingly awful. <laughs> we yeah, had yeah. to give him a chance. <laughs> I, I still think that maybe actually Harry Kane is just a desperately average player made to look good by Spurs' other strikers. I, I still haven't worked that out yet. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm hoping ahead of the Euros that that's the case. Um, but you're, you're right, the, the, current, the current system is was a step backwards from what we had before. Um, so I, I, th- this has to be a, a step forward. I just think I'd like to see the Premier League from time to time approach things without the mentality that you throw money at something and, and, and just will domi- this will domination view, you know, this idea that, yeah, we'll televise it and that'll, you know, make, make everything brilliant and everybody realise that our reserves are better. No, our reserve... Our reserves teams are terrible, and most people aren't going to want to watch them, whether they're on TV or not. Um, just why not really think hard and not just think of quick fix like televising matches, putting them in bigger stadiums? It's not all about the razzmatazz, the way it looks. Really think about the system, how it works. There is also the problem, I think they said that one of the plans is that it would be. Uh, really, the teams that are in the Premier League, it would be the, this Premier League two would be compiled uh, entirely from their reserve teams. Well, actually, a lot of the reserve teams in the Premier League aren't wouldn't. Aren't, well, there are better reserve teams further down the system. Um, actually, you know there there are some clubs down in the Championship who have very good youth academies who have produced better reserve teams than um, the Premier League teams do. Um, I can't. I can't really imagine the Bournemouth reserves are particularly strong. Our reserves weren't very strong when we were first promoted to Premier League. So, I, I, you know, that that's another area where I'm skeptical. Where I'm skeptical. I'm, I'm not sure that really benefits um, in, English football then um, and the development of young players from all across the world. Of course, um, if good academies are being relegated to make way for other lesser academies just because their club is in the Premier League. 
yeah, I, I, I think another problem with this plan is sort of like the motivating the the clubs to sort of get behind it as well, because I mean, I mean, there's, I think I was reading there was like three million pounds in like prize money. That's not really, that's not really gonna motivate anybody in the Premier League to, to especially take it with the new TV money. Exactly. So if if you want to, you know, get them to take it seriously, I don't know. You 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 need to think of sort of like a, an incentive that appeals to them. Whether you know, I'm not. I'm not quite sure that what that would be at the moment. But you, you know, you need to you need to get the the winner gets the Champions League spot. The FA Did is all imagine? about finding new random ways to give teams Champions League spots. <laughs> oh, by the way, um, not to interrupt you, but uh, there was an episode a few well, not a few months ago, probably a month ago, where I was all doom and gloom about the uh, coefficient rankings for England, and then. Uh, Juventus almost beat Bayern, then didn't, and then Lazio got 3 0 at their own place. Uh, and so now it's super fine, and England officially has a fourth Champions League spot. For another 12 months. And, uh, True, but the uh, fact that Lazio the and. The fact that Lazio and Juve are both out already, and we have guaranteed progression from the United Liverpool match, it, it's. But- but next, I think the way it works doesn't it work in five-year cycles? So next yeah. year we're losing next year the points we're... from a very good year, I think. Back Wait, will that have been the Chelsea year? Yes, I think because that would yeah, that was 2012. Yeah, yeah. So oh, that so that's not great. So somebody has to win it next year. My vote <laughs> is Tottenham or Leicester. <laughs> 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 anyway, sorry, Jake. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's whether whether the youth development they need to look beyond. It. A, a reserve league that's a, that's another point maybe you know uh, uh like a english sort of like get an english under 21 team sort of established outside of their clubs and getting them playing uh I, whether you can put them into they're sort of like the b team so it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a great idea but it's sort of maybe maybe the problem of youth development you have to look further than the, the reserve league to maybe look at how you can Get the 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 FA in control of a group of players, um, and get them to develop together as a, as a team. That could be another point, but it's, it's I think it's just an impossible problem that's never going to be solved. Uh, this idea is is looks all right on the outset, but I don't think anyone would ever get beyond uh, get behind it. And I think it would just be similar to the under twenty one league, um, with just um, with players playing in empty stadiums week in week out, which would which wouldn't be great for their sort of morale. They 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 wouldn't be thinking, oh, I'm so happy to put, be playing in this league. They'll be thinking, oh, I'd much rather be out playing in front of ten thousand people or five thousand people down the league than I would be playing in this this um, league. Because I, I I've been to under twenty one games at St James's Park before, and it's just it's just the players are just going through the motions. It's just like a training session. It would just be like that, and the games would be on TV, and no one would really benefit from it. Players playing in it won't, you know, see their uh, their reputations uh, raised through playing in the under-21 league. That only ever comes from senior football, as you can see with Rashford and um, players like that this season. All, all the Manchester United young players, they've got their their names are out there because they're playing for Manchester United, not because they've, because they've been known as being great players in the under twenty one league, maybe a cup could possibly be a way to go go forward because the uh, youth cup is uh, has massive prestige and that is such such a such a huge tournament um, for you know the under eighteen and things that 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 is like hugely beneficial to anybody playing at it. Maybe we need to maybe think of something like that for the reserve system that might you know help attendances and help 
players take it more seriously, that's that might be another route to go because the youth club has been one of like the the biggest ways of developing players in in recent years. And I think you know if if, if that's gone so right in the under 18s, maybe you move that up and maybe make a similar sort of thing to the under 21s. But it's, it's all I I just think it's an impossible problem, and it's it there's more important problems to be solved. I think than this. Mm, fair enough. All right, uh, well, now we will head into uh, Player Watch, where we're going to quickly tell people the best fantasy option from our club this weekend. Jake, we'll start off with you, and uh, I have brought in Daryl Janmott this week, which could, to some, sound insane, considering your defensive record, but uh, I'm, I'm feeling not too horrible about it. First of all, I had Cedric, who I brought in, which I thought would work. Uh, and then he got one point and then didn't play the next two matches, which was not as helpful as I would have liked. Uh, same price point, bringing in Yamat. The matchups are obviously a lot better. Tell me that I'm not as crazy as I sound right now. <laughs> well, good news on that front is that it looks like Colacinio and Bemba will be back for the weekend. So that gives us more chance of a clean sheet if that, go in that view, but it you know, it's it's early days. I think under Rafa, the fullbacks are not going to go forward as much, so that might, you know, make the Yelmar pick a bit less um, attractive to people. But yeah, it's 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 all right. I think look at if we're going to climb out of it, we're going to have to stop conceding goals. And the coming fixtures, there's no better chance to do that. So yeah, it could work yeah, out. Sunderland, I, Norwich, Southampton, and Swansea are the next four, which yeah. would average twelfth in goal scored. Yeah. So. You'd you'd hope that we there'd be a couple of clean sheets there, and if going forward, Yama, even if he's being given a more restricted role, he's he's always going to be up there and things. So yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not crazy. I think there's better picks probably from Newcastle. I think I think Sissoko is probably going to. I I think he's he's had a really poor season, but I think under Rafa, he's going to be given a much. Uh, much more freedom in the final third. I think you saw that uh, against Leicester. He got in a lot of attacking positions and was probably unlucky not to either get an assist or a goal that day. And uh, uh, coming up to the Euros, France have got an incredibly strong squad. If he wants to be in there, he has to have a strong se- uh, finish to the season. So I think he could be one that has a uh, could get quite a few uh, points over the next few the next few weeks. Uh, yeah, we've got some home games coming up. So Wijnaldum, Genie, um I only play at home. Wijnaldum. He's always a. He could be a good pick. He could have one. He could have one of his incredibly, uh, incredibly good game weeks over the next couple of weeks, where he just seems to have one and stay in like the top ten midfielders in in the game. So, yeah. But I I think there's better better players put in your fancy team than you got players. You know, you got West Ham and Liverpool and things have a double uh, two double game weeks. They're the players to get in, not not Newcastle players. All right, Gitto, say a name that isn't Gilfie Sigurdsson, if you would. <laughs> Oh, um, well, we are playing against Aston Villa, so I guess if you are looking to fill that defensive spot um, left vacant by Yonmat, then um, I guess this is as good a week as any to put a, a Swansea player in there. Um, we are terrible from set pieces, but generally not not too bad. We're pretty good from open play, actually, at defending, uh, as long as it's not a cross. Um <laughs> But, um, that felt like a lot of qualifiers. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was rather, wasn't it? Um, yeah, if you, I mean, if you want, if the, if you're going to put a Swansea City player, uh, if you're going to put a Swansea City defender on your fantasy team any week of the season, I guess this is the one uh, playing against Villa. They're they're terrible. 
Um, and you know, you know they they've kept I think two clean sheets away from home all season, which is actually more than Swansea have kept. But you know, by that's by the pie. Um, but really, the the player that if you're going to put any Swansea player in your fantasy team, it has to be Kilfi Sigerson. Um, he you know seven goals in 2016. He's also um, got his fair share of assists. Um, he's growing in confidence. He's getting into more dangerous areas. Uh, he also has a pretty impressive record of scoring free kicks against Aston Villa. Uh, he has scored quite a few over the last few seasons. He really, I don't know what it is. I think it has something to do with the fact that Brad Guzan can't actually set up a wall and position himself. But um, Gilfie Sayerson really likes scoring free kicks against Aston Villa. And I wouldn't put it past him scoring another one this weekend. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think despite not being at his best still, um, statistically, he is having an amazing time at the moment. So put him in your fantasy team. I, uh, there we go. I'm telling people for the first time this season, there is actually a Swansea City player who I recommend for your fantasy team. Yeah, and as I mentioned to you before we started recording, Aston Villa have conceded 17 goals in their last five matches. Six to yeah. Liverpool, two to Stoke, three to Everton, four to City, and two to us. I still can't see us scoring more than one against them, but I'm pretty, <laughs> conf- but I'm pretty confident that one will be Gilfie Sigerson. Over under on how many times Pulaski is offside, I'll set it at 3.5, over or under? Oh, I you know what? Under because I can see him being substituted early. He has, <laughs> That's why nothing has, to do with actually, actually how he plays. He hasn't actually. He's looked pretty good away from home, Pulaski, and he's looked pretty busy um, at home. It hasn't worked for him yet. I'm hoping against Villa's dreadful defense, he will have a bit more fun and he will have a bit more freedom. Uh, and as long as he manages to time one run to stay on side, then he'll be okay. He's still, uh, he, he's doing okay. He's still, you know, it's a, it's a tough one to make the switch from Serie A to the Premier League. Um, he's looking good away from home. Not done it yet at home. There's no pressure on him. He's got his goal. He's off the mark. Uh, we're pretty happy with his work rate, and we understand that he's. It must be frustrating for a striker playing in this current Swansea City team. Um, but yeah, he hasn't done very well at home this season. So either he's going to have an absolute stormer and he's going to tear uh, Aston Villa's defence to pieces, um, or it's not going to work and he's going to come off for, uh, for Buffett and Gomez after about 50 minutes. All right, yeah, uh, for Tottenham, you have some pretty good options. I'm not particularly fond of our defenders at the moment. Bournemouth have scored six goals over their last two matches. Um I, I still think we'll hold them to one, but that doesn't really help you much in fantasy. Uh, I think you're mainly looking at Kane and Ali this week. Arrested Eriksson is a tempting preposition, but the difference in ability from Eriksson to Ali is not accurately rese- uh, is not accurately represented by the difference in price point, um, where Ali is about 3.0 cheaper. Um, so I'm probably going to go with Harry Kane uh, against Bournemouth's defense. I think they're currently fifth worst in the league, although it is a significant drop-off. So they're, uh, yeah, so they're 15th on uh, 47 conceded. The next team, Sunderland on 54, Norwich on 54, Newcastle on 54, Aston Villa on 57. And uh, unfortunately, that's one where your game in hand could hurt you, Jake. 
because um, it is against Manchester City. Uh, but yeah, I, I like Harry Kane this week. Bournemouth's uh, defenders have been getting forward more and more each week, which is really helping their attack, but not necessarily helping tidy things up at the back, as I'm sure uh, Gitto can attest to with their two goals last week. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Harry Kane's probably the way to go, although Ali and Erickson are rested, so if you wanted to go that way, I'm not sure anybody would hold it against you. All right, and now we've talked about your fantasy options. Let's talk about what's actually going to happen in these matches with our match previews. Uh, heading into match week 31, we'll start off with Gitto with Swansea facing Aston Villa. Yeah, this isn't well, I, I say this isn't quite as big a game as it would have been a few weeks ago. Um, but still, if you know, we were in a good place confidence-wise at the moment. If we do lose to Villa, um, which I just can't see if I'm honest, not even me being one a pretty pessimistic uh, Swansea City fan. I, I can't actually see us losing to Villa. But if we did, it, it would drag us straight back into a relegation fight. I think we've looked at this as, you know, possibly a bit of arrogance, I don't know, but we've looked at this as an automatic three points. Um, looking at Villa's away record this season, they haven't won since the opening day against Bournemouth, and that was a fluke. Um, they've not had a brilliant record against us in recent years um, and their team is is dreadful. Um, it is pro- it is among the worst that's ever been in the Premier League. It's not as bad as obviously Derby or the two Sunderland teams who recorded less than 20 points but it's not much better if I'm honest. They're pretty terrible um, and, and they, they, they've given up. I mean I've got a Villa fan, uh, a friend at work who, who supports Villa and he's, he's, he's just hated this season. He's distraught and he's just looking forward to reaching the championship. Um, They'll win games down there. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> um, it, it really... Yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> um, but they've... Um, I, 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 I'd be amazed if we lost this game. Uh, we've, we have been playing a bit better. It will be interesting to see what our tactics are like now that Guido Lin is back. He has... I... I had a minor criticism of him since he's arrived that he has ta- taken a bit too much of a defensive approach to our games. He is quite conservative. Um, he he doesn't like taking risks. And if we are ahead, like you saw when we played against you, Kev, uh, when we do go ahead, we straight away put everyone behind the ball and just look to protect that yeah. one goal lead. Um, whereas under Alan Curtis, we over the last few games, we have actually at least try to play a bit more football and try to get the ball forward a bit more and create chances. Andre Ayew is out, so we won't see Ayew versus Ayew this weekend. Um, but if there is a silver lining from that, it is that Modu Barrow is going to be starting probably. And uh, this is something that Swansea fans have been calling for for a long time. Mm, had a he, great match last week. Is his hamstring fine though? Yeah, yeah, I, I, th- yeah, I think so. Um, he's, he's blisteringly fast. Um, end product is still a bit of an issue, but he's got his first goal now. Uh, but he's just a player that excites, and we've we've lacked that this season. You know, we've 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 always had brilliant wingers, speedy wingers, tricky wingers who who really get you out of your seat, and we maybe have lacked that this season. Even when Ayu's been brilliant, much of his work hasn't has been in the centre, tapping in and 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 that kind of stuff. So um, I I like the idea of Mardubaro against whoever. Um, Aston Villa pick a left back um, because their fullbacks, apart from Sunderland, are the worst in the division. Um, and it says a lot about Sunderland's fullbacks that Villas are better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. And Jake, 
when you come on before, uh, we talked about how Sunderland tend to always pick up a win as soon as they get a new manager against Newcastle. Now the shoe is on the other foot, as it turns out. Newcastle now with a new manager heading into Sunderland. What do you see in this one? Yeah, the, the shoe is on the other foot. We've, we've done exactly what they do and changed our manager a game before the derby. Um, Fabio Barini came out this week and said, oh, I think they're copying us with our little trick. It's not really a trick, Fabio. It, it, it's because you have a manager that was poor that you had manager. to get a new one. Yeah. No, nobody <laughs> plans to do that. I mean, it's it's literally a coincidence. The difference is we the manager we've got is absolutely world class. The managers you've been getting are, are not quite. But you know, that that's another point. Um, this this derby is really interesting, purely for the fact that Benitez came in. I mean, him and Sam Allardyce hate each other. Like there is a long history of hatred between the two. Um, they had a lot of um sort of comments when they were uh, both managing in the Premier League before about sort of um comparing CVs, that's what Benitez always used to say, I'd say Allardyce has never won anything. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read you a quote uh, that happened earlier this season. Like th- this is th- this is the exchange between the two that happened in the media this season when Benitez was at Madrid, which just shows how much they hate each other, that they're still on each other's mind. Sam Allardyce said Benitez had nothing to do with Liverpool winning the Champions League and that he's a lucky manager. To which Benitez in a in a press conference about a Madrid game was asked for his response, and he said, do you know how many trophies he has won? His opinion does not have a lot of value. So, like, these two hate each other. Like, <laughs> it, it's, it's going to be quite quite an interesting, um, quite interesting to see the, the, both press conferences before the game, because, yeah, it, it's very interesting. But onto the match, um, yeah, it doesn't... It doesn't matter who's at home in these sort of matches. They're always, they're always more or less the same. A lot of, a lot of passion, a lot of um, end-to-end sort of uh, end-to-end sort of uh, game with both teams having a lot of chances. The last six Sunderland have have won, sadly. Um, yeah, it's, I, I, I really hate this match because Sunderland always have a terrible team, but they always beat us. It, it, it happens every time. Um, we do have to win it though. It's, yeah, it's. We're probably going to play a pretty strong team. I'd imagine it'll be Elliot, Yamat, Colacini, and Bemba, Colback at left back. Um, then we'll probably see um, Anita and Shelby centre midfielders, and then prob- uh, Sissoko, Wijnaldum, and Perez. And I don't know who's going to play up front. I'd expect Mitrovic again, but. Again, Rafa is is likely to change things. I, I'm going I'm going off the team from the last game, but there could be changes. Yeah, so I, hopefully whatever team we go uh, play, we go to attack them. We play attacking football because that's when we're at our best. But yeah, I I just don't have a clue. It's gonna it's this is I reckon this is gonna be the game of the weekend. Both teams put going for it. I expect there to be goals. I I can see it being a draw, maybe like two all. I just I can't see us winning it. Last time I came on before the derby, I was so optimistic. I was like, oh, they've won the last five. That's fair enough. But we're going to beat them this time. I don't want to make the same mistake again. I don't, <laughs> don't want to jinx the result. We should win on paper. It's definitely a game we have. We should win. But whether we, I just don't know what to predict. I don't know what we're going to be like under Benitez in the long run. So it's it's just a really interesting game for everybody. And everybody should watch this game because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really, really good. But I, I'm, I'm going to go two all. Yeah, two all. All right, uh, yeah, Tottenham, as I mentioned, facing a very hot Bournemouth side. Uh, the, the return of Gridell and Elphick for them is big. Uh, Gridell scoring last weekend. 
Uh, maybe Matt Ritchie will actually show up and be the player that so many expected to see in the Premier League this season. Um, even uh, Is Callum Wilson back in training? I feel like I saw that somewhere. Really should have looked that up before I started talking. But um, that would also be big for them. Uh, they, they've scored six goals in their last two matches, and Benica Fobe contributed to zero of them, uh, which is not good if you had him in your fantasy team call. But is good because it means that they're getting goals from different places. Uh, Josh King has continued to be a thorn in many team sides. So it'll be interesting to see uh, in this one. Obviously, we are at home. Hopefully, we won't have too many of our starting 11 uh, tired from today's match. Really just um, having Lloris and Dyer. Oh, snap, Ali is playing today. <laughs> see, this is a problem with not having it on. Um, but yeah, so we shouldn't have too much crossover. One of Lamela or Chadley. Uh, but Erickson rested, Kane rested, uh, Dembele rested, Walker and Rose obviously rested because we do that rotation. So we should be fairly fresh. Um, I'm, I'm going to say we win this one 2-1, but I do think they get on the score sheet. All right, and with that, we are out of time. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Yeah, thanks for listening. Um, you can get my normal stuff on EPL Index and Total Dutch Football. Um, I'm starting to write for a couple of other websites as well, which I'll keep you posted when I next come on. So yeah, uh, keep an eye out on that. And for anything else, just get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's. Yeah, my uh, regular column is in this week's uh, Kamala Journal for you living out west. Uh, the latest episode of the podcast, uh, the Jackcast, can be found at the Jackcast, discussing about many other things. Uh, well, our shocking defending from set pieces. Um, plus, for any of you interested uh, on Hakyo on uh, S4C tonight and uh, on Catch Up for the next couple of weeks, uh, there is uh, I'll be working helping out with uh, a story on women's football in Wales as well, which may be of interest to some of you. Yeah, and I am your host Kevin DeVries at Kevroff on Twitter. You can find my writings over at TheEaglesBeak.com and PlayTaga.com, as well as listening to the FPL Roundtable, which goes up on Thursdays. This, of course, going up on Fridays and Mondays. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening.